Welcome to How to Full Voices. This monthly bonus feature to the main podcast features full-length interviews, personal stories, and a collection of conversations with people from Rheinwald, University of Applied Sciences, Kleve, Kamplinfurt, and the entire Lower Rhine region. On today's show, we're taking an immersive journey into the realm of innovation. Join us as we chat with the minds behind Artlove. This episode will expand on the conversation we started in our last episode, aptly titled How to Innovate. I'm Daniela Venegas. I am originally from Colombia. I work in the medical industry and I am part of Art Lab team. I have been traveling a lot to different countries and then I was thinking to do a master's. In my home country, I studied industrial design. So I was looking for something that complemented that um, discipline. And yeah, I had some requirements to what I wanted and as well, like to my limitations. So I knew about Germany, like as a good place to study it. But my German, <laughs> it's not so developed. So I found this master that was complementing design that was in English so it was like quite fitting to my requirements and that's how everything happened. I apply only to this university and luckily everything worked out. How about you Philip? I'm uh, Philip Voida. I'm 30 years old and I'm working as a UI UX developer in the automotive but I'm also CEO of the Artcloft team. Um, well, I studied here in Munich, also something related with design and I uh, also wanted to do on a master. And I always had a picture in mind that I want to improve the HMI, the usage of products. I found this master course and thought it was in English and I said, like, okay, let's give it a challenge or let's uh, do it because I was also for one year abroad in an English speaking country. And I said, okay, that, that's also a good opportunity to refresh your English and yeah, then I also applied and moved to Kamplinfurt. So how was your first experience in Kamplinfurt? What was your, your first day? Maybe I should start because you arrived a bit later. Yeah. My first day in Kamplinfurt was actually quite nice. I looked up two flats or like two shared apartments and I had a good conversation with the landlord. He's the same age. And I loved like the location and it was super close to the university. It was just like crossing the street and it was like all quite small to say, but neat and new. And so it was very exciting. And I was impressed that also this location on Kamlitford had the Fab Lab, which was like for me new because I thought, okay, just like your big campuses um, has like a Fab Lab. Then yeah, how about you? First time in Germany, probably? Uh, first time in Germany, almost first time in Europe because I had been only like in Turkey before, so it's not really Europe. I didn't know anything before because I set up my accommodation and everything from Colombia. So everything I had was like Google Street, some pictures and a lot of expectations. So when I arrived, I was just very surprised to how small the town <laughs> is it, or the city, sorry. <laughs> But it was just like everything was new and interesting. Could you explain what the Fab Lab is for people who don't know what that even means? <laughs> I mean, lab, the most people probably know what the lab is, but what is special about the Fab Lab? So the Fab Lab is like, I know, I'm missing Fabrication. Again. Fabrication laboratory. Thank you. So Fab Lab is fabrication laboratory. 
And it's basically a open space where um, you can build uh, your own prototypes, your own um, projects. And um, it's usually related to a university. Um, but as I said, uh, it's also, I think, usually also accessible to the public. So if you want to fulfill a project, if you want to build on something, then you can uh, come there and uh, use the machines. Was it part of your studies to use the Fab Lab or how was it structured? It was this specific class I remember a lot because the first day I, I arrived and I got catched cut, up with everything, then I think you just had this class in the Fab Lab. So there was one specific project that happened mainly in the Fab Lab because we needed to create something there. So it's the whole introduction to all machines, yeah, materials, everything you may need. And so we got the introduction to the Fab Lab in general and also to individual machines like laser cutter, 3D printer. Yeah. So uh, both of you took the master's course, right? Yes, usability engineering. Yeah. Like the structure, how it was in Kablinford, the structure with the Fab Lab. And was the course because of this a little bit different? Were you more open and free to explore? Or was it the same thing with your bachelor's studies? For me, it was somehow similar to my bachelor's because also in my home university, we used to have this Fab Lab. It was not called like that, but was called more like a building space. And we also have the different areas for glass, for metal, for wood, and different materials. And every semester, we were introduced to a material and we needed to have a project with this material in order to get used to different prototyping tools and machines. Yeah, I was really happy to have this space. <laughs> it felt a bit like home. Yeah, like for me, it was rather new, I would say. I also studied on the University of Applied Sciences in, in Munich. But like the practical or the action with like real problems or like real practical issues was in a way different. So for me, it was rather new to use the Fab Lab. Before we go into the reason why we talk in the first place, before you, you had the idea... What kind of role played innovation in your perspectives? My whole bachelor's was always structured in a way that we have at least one big project per semester. So we had some problem or some need in some case. And from that, we needed to create something, of course, from the design point of view. So I think I had always had this trigger to come up with solutions in an innovative way. Yeah, for me, it was like the innovation part not so big, I would say. I had to design maps because my bachelor's was in cartography, geomedia. I had to design maps and pictures and so on. But I had some innovation touch points, so, uh, so to say, because I worked like in the automotive industry. I did like a working student internships and so on and was like always in the development and research department of the company. Also during my bachelor's, I was like a part of the Formula Student Racing Team, which are like students, they yeah, built and race cars and other uh, universities. That's really interesting. Now about finally about the main reason why we're here today. Please, again, can you explain how did you came up with the art bluff? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, so I think this is my favorite part to tell. 
And I like to go back to, I don't know, anywhere 15 years ago or so, when my mom got diagnosed from rheumatoid arthritis. So she had a lot of pain in her hand all the time. And I was little and I used to give her hand massages all the time, just as a nice gesture from the daughter to mother. And she was always telling me that was really relieving uh, her from the pain. And many years after 2010, I started my industrial design bachelor's degree. And I remember we visited the university together. I got the introduction to the bachelor's. And then she told me, yeah, now you can design something that provides me a massage as nice as you do it. And then you will become rich. <laughs> if I ignore her for how many years? Nine. Nine years. <laughs> I remember her request, but I really never put it into execution until the day I arrived, like the next day that I arrived to Camdenford and a colleague was catching me up. Okay, and we have this class. And for this class, we need to create something that solves or that helps with a human need. And with the Arduino. And you need to use an Arduino. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you explain the, the last part? And so I didn't know what an Arduino yeah. was. Yeah. Maybe, Philip, do you want to jump in there? <laughs> Basically, an Arduino is just like a small computer, like a Raspberry Pi, where you can program and yeah, use it for many different do-it-yourself projects. So, yeah, it's a small computer. And this part was quite interesting, I would say, because he, uh, my colleague told me this task and I think I was shocked for around five seconds, not too long. And then my mom hit me on my head and was like, aha, now I can do this thing she asked me so long ago. And since that day, I decided I was going to do something for relieving the pain. pain on the hands that feel as good as the massages I used to give to my mom. So that was the first idea, right? Was it clear that it will be a glove in the beginning? No, this is part then of the whole design process. So we are encouraged and let's say the base of our masters was to use a human-centered design approach to came up with a solution. So you start from the need. So I had the need and I had an idea of what it could be a solution, but not the, the way of transporting this solution to the need. I don't know if that's clear. So let's say that the glove is something that comes out of digging into the user need, the user requirements, what's in the market already, what is not working, what it is working. And from there, you build up your requirements. And with these requirements, then you start building up a solution that it's iterating all the time until it becomes to to the glove in this case what time frame was from the idea to i would say the first prototype it was like one semester right a bit shorter actually because we have to present it and maybe also document it uh, i think but it was like almost uh, one full semester uh, and it flew actually uh, by very fast because we were like in my case i also had an idea we were, of course, facing some problems and so did the time and also other courses we had, of course, so that the time flew by very fast. But I would say it was a bit less than uh, one semester. 
Yeah, at that point, we each one of us have individual projects. It also, it took the whole semester to develop a prototype because what I mentioned before. So the prototype is the very end thing you do after going through the whole process. So, of course, we can, the building up of the prototype doesn't take too long. What it takes longer is to come up with the solution of what are we going to prototype, actually. Yeah, to get like all these information, user needs, requirements, and that's what Daniela said. And actually, at the end, you also uh, tested. So, like, we also had to do some testing, which is like always part of the human centered design approach to test your prototype and improve with this feedback your product. If I understand correctly, the big challenge in the beginning was to figure out what it actually has to be, right? So the idea was clear what it is, what it has to be, and then to figure out what, what works and what, what doesn't work and what exists in the market and what doesn't exist in the market, right? This was like the biggest challenge in the beginning? For me, I would say the biggest challenge was to use the Arduino part <laughs> because... I manage, let's say, to, you, you follow the process. If you follow this process, let's say, you, you start getting the results. It, it's the nice of it. <laughs> but let's say, I and I don't know if I'm jumping too much ahead, but then I was struggling a lot to actually implement all these things I found out because my strength is not, let's say, electronics or coding and programming so there is where I start asking for help to my classmates <laughs> and Philip jumped in to, to help me to yeah, so the, do the yeah. programming or the electronic yeah, part. And I was helping him with the design, the graphic design of his project. So Yeah, so we helped each other out there. So after one semester, you had more or less a working prototype? Did you first tested it before you presented it? That's part of the, of the process. So this human-centered design approach, you understand the needs, you create some requirements, you understand the context of use, then you came up with a design solution, you test this design solution, and then you contrast the result of your design against the requirements you had at the very beginning. If these requirements are met, And when they are not, you iterate, you improve your design and repeat. So for this assessment, you needed to build out the prototype, test it, and let's say why draw the conclusions. And there, there was the cut for the project. So how many projects were in the program? So like each student had like his own project or like his own idea to work on. And we were like in the first semester around... 25 students, well, I don't know, yeah, something like this. So we, yeah, we saw like all the other projects from the other students uh, that did and uh, everybody had his own idea how to fulfill like this first requirement to use an Arduino and also to solve a human problem. So around 20 projects, that's quite a lot. When did you came up with the decision? Because I guess a lot of other students finished the project and that was probably it, right? They didn't move on with it. When did you make the decision, okay, that's maybe something that's interesting to further develop? Everything developed pretty organic, I will say. The day we all were presenting our findings and our final prototype and project, the teacher, Karsten Neve, he told us there is this program, it's called the Best Idea Cup. It was organized by the Hochschule Rheinwald. 
you have very good ideas. I think you should present your ideas. So I think he gave like a general statement to, to most of us. And I look it up, check what was <laughs> requested and went for it. And it probably was the first time you had a bigger audience for your product than before. Yeah. <laughs> than before probably mostly people from university or students. Yeah. You used the colleagues for testing. Uh, basically, I think, right? Yeah. And then at the competition, I also supported Daniela because then we, uh, she got basically, yeah, accepted also to present the idea on this Best Idea Cup with like our own stand. So I also uh, joined Daniela there also for answering German speaking questions. And uh, yeah, do you want to continue what happened on the Best Idea Cup? Yeah. So. Uh, I apply like at that point I was still let's say me and, and Art Novel Non Philly was always there uh, supporting but let's say we had not officially uh, become a team and then in the Best Idea Cup I don't know how many applications there were at that point but only uh, I think uh, around 100 applications but only 11 or 10 projects were let's say pre-selected and then there were like three final winners There was like a money prize and there was also like a coaching sessions for as, as a prize. And our coach was Adriana Bobisova. And in the first session, she told us of many different options that we could have for moving ahead. She recommended us that we should do this as a team. She had already seen that Philip was uh, supporting me during the whole contest. So she was like, okay, you are making a good team you should maybe apply together to it. And I, yeah, I proposed to Philip if he wanted to, yeah, work on it, if he believed it on it. And then we applied to the Gondor Stipendium and we got it. <laughs> yeah, it was quite overwhelming. I was crying <laughs> uh, when the idea was called on stage in this very first Best Idea Cup and it was called and then... I was just thinking on my mom and how happy I felt to finally, let's say, return something to her. And so many people were asking and impressed and giving their cards and giving feedback and giving input. It was so overwhelming in a good way that I was like, wow, this is real. This is nice. And this can make a change not only to my mom, but to seven million people or more 77 <laughs> yeah. million people sorry yeah and that was like the starting point to say okay let's try to ma make this into a company with the Gunnar stipendium we got the scholarship and this scholarship had the requirement that within six months we needed to officially register the project okay. as a company Can you explain what the product actually is and what, what it does? Like in, in the goal is clear, but how can you ex explain how it looks like and how it works more or less? Is that possible? Yeah, I think we have talked about the need, the idea, but actually yeah. not the solutions. The final, or not the final, because it's always improving, but what we uh, developed so far is a self-massaging glove. I think maybe Philip can explain uh, a little bit more in detail. Yeah, it's a massaging glove, what Daniela said, which is fingerless and also portable. Users can enjoy a massage while they're like anywhere and anytime. And it also actively 
massages the joints of the hand. So for each joint um, of the hand, uh, also of the fingers, we have like uh, individually like uh, compression uh, technology, which compresses these uh, joints and like also on the muscles and to give it like a, a relief. Also, we have another system to stimulate the nerves of the hand. Basically, it's yeah a portable massaging glove for any time, anywhere, which is fingerless. The vision is to not basically distract you from your daily tasks and and give you like a relieving massage while doing. And also, it's like also a washable glove. That's really impressive, but there, I guess there were a lot of challenges, right? Just design-wise and technical-wise that you had or still trying to solve. I don't know how, how far you are right now, but... Yeah, actually, we are right now in the sixth iteration. So we built up uh, six prototypes and we are, we are basically building up the sixth prototype already. We uh, started small, just like with the nerve stimulating. Then we uh, tried out how can the, the massage feeling be more en enhanced or like more intensive. So we came up with this compression system. Then we tried to combine both together. Then we tried to combine both in one glove. So it's like also portable. And what was the biggest challenge right now was like the compression system to make it work, to make it airtight and also yeah, usable for the user, not too big. And that was right now, or like for the six prototype, the, the biggest challenge, actually. This draws back to this human-centered design process. So it's what I told you about these requirements. So when we were talking to people, we were asking them, okay, what is your idea? Or if you have three magic wishes, what it will be or why you don't use this product or why do you use this one instead. So there we started what users want. Okay, they want a product that they can use when they are not at home. So it has to be portable. Or they want a product that they don't need to put your hand over and over again because it gets sweaty. Okay, we can make it washable. That they don't need to be attached to a single place. Okay, we need that this has batteries. According to what people were telling us in different ways, so there are different usability methods to find out what actually people want and need. When you won the contest, then it was clear for you, okay, we have to be a company in the next six months, was it, or half a year? By winning the Gründerstipendium Nordrhein-Westfalen, then basically, yeah, we had this requirement to establish a company within six months in order to keep the, the scholarship running because the scholarship was for one year. And then basically, I think it, it made like the switch to, okay, let's try it and let's keep going. We always have this uh, mindset, just a step by step. We are not too much looking into the future, into the big picture, which might come up with the product. We just want to see how far we can go and to see, okay, how well, we can develop the, the product in order to fulfill the requirements and to also yeah, basically, uh, I have to say, also to fulfill like their own expectations. So, and German bureaucracy was probably also a big part, right? It's always like a joke about Germany. If you want to start a company here, good luck with bureaucracy. That's like the first hurdle you have to take. Yeah, and imagine if you are foreign. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I had to help Daniela with a lot of issues like also actually i think 
getting the Kunderstipendium. I think that was quite easy to get this Kunderstipendium when you're foreign, but then uh, establishing the company is like a thing where you have to go many times to the Ausländerbehörde to ask people, like the officers there, they sometimes don't know, so they have to inform themselves because it's a bit unique, so to say. Depends, of course, where you are in Germany. But yeah, it was a big hurdle also for other scholarships. But you kept going, so it didn't block off your way to company. Because I was helping her and basically doing all the communication and so on, it took me some nights where I couldn't sleep or like some some arguments and some annoying times with the officers. But yeah, there's like also the passion and the belief in the project that this can be really helpful for people, for so many people. And yeah, it, it kept me, like at, at least me, motivating to, even with these big hurdles, to continue. And you both studied at the same time, right? During this phase. So how was it? Did you have any time for anything else besides both projects or not really probably, right? So I think the main strategy was that we managed to merge this project into our studies. So we use it as a use case for different tasks that we were having. So we also have a class, Essig, Kai Essig is the, his name, Professor Essig. Uh, where we also needed to work on a project and we needed to do the whole development. It was also from, yeah, like a, a full project from beginning to end. At the point we talked to him, uh, Philip didn't need to do that class because he had it homologated actually. And he did it anyway, because I talked with, with the professor to see if we could use Ardlov as a case of studies. And then he knew already about this project because of the contest we had won before. And he was like really motivated to help us and to incentivate us to keep working on it. So it was really nice because we improved our product. We did two more iterations during this course. And of course, we also got a great uh, result academically. Yeah, we got the credits. You could use it for the classes, as Daniela said. And we could also even write our math thesis about Artlov with the same professor, with Professor Essig. And together, both of us, it was a good way to improve the prototype, to continue with the math thesis. We actually built up two prototypes and tested it and validated it and improved it. So was luckily very good ways that we could integrate art love like our own project into the study and yeah thanks again to all the professors who let us do this is it patent pending or because it's also a big issue as far as i know Already on this Best Idea Cup, after the ceremony, after Daniela won the prize, we were like on our stand and many people approached us, many visitors also from companies and industries. And this question came so often up, do we have a patent uh, on it or not? Like how is the status there and so on? And yeah, basically then we decided to do the patenting of Artglove and actually, yeah, it's also continuing with the patents. For that, we have another scholarship, which is called uh, Vipano. So you get half of the patent costs back from the government. And we actually just applied the worldwide uh, patent just a few weeks ago. And before that, we applied also the German patent. Yeah, that's, I think with innovation, 
it's always like a big thing how to secure your innovation. I'm exciting how much this patent will push up or, or bring us or help us in, in that way because they're like these people they say okay you need to patent it it's very important and urgent and so on but there are also other people they are saying every patent almost every patent you can find a way around some big companies they make so much revenue so much profit they don't care if they heard your patent or used your idea then they pay you or they pay lawyers and so on so This is like also something which startups in general, I think, struggle maybe to decide, okay, is a patent worth it or not? But yeah, we will see. We don't know yet. <laughs> so you're in a process of finding out if it's worth it or not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we will know in the future. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I find it really fascinating that you really push through it because probably you had other school projects. Sometimes you say that, ah, now it's done. Because after your studies, you said, okay, we, we really, probably the Grunerstipendium was over. So you could have said, it was a good run, learned a lot, but maybe that's it. But you still keep on going. So what happened after you graduated? I think here was really important that mainly Philip, he wanted to keep going. I think he was always looking for these new programs and new options to enroll the project so we got into other programs right so let's say th this is a, a race that is never ending accelerator programs yeah uh, yeah i think at this point uh, it's uh, really i would like to uh, make a, a note to philip that he has been the one who said okay let's keep working on it yeah like for my side i have had some internships before on big companies and I also after graduating from the university I had an internship uh, in the uh, automotive uh, industry and it was usability related so it was like related to our study and I got so disappointed by this internship <laughs> I was like almost quitting the internship because it was a very big company so like the processes They take for ages and it's it was like, yeah, just feeling that you are just a little part in a big company, in a big pool. And this made me like really think, okay, we have a good idea. I'm passionate about it. I think this idea can succeed. So why not continuing and be your own boss, basically, to decide what you want to do or not and to have a bit of flexibility But to establish or to make something great was like the, the motivation. And so we continued. <laughs> I, I convinced Daniela to continue as well. <laughs> so your end goal is a consumer product, right? You don't want to have a product for the medical field, like in, I don't know, clinics. Your end goal is actually that I can buy it on the shelf in a supermarket. Or what is your goal with Outglove right now? Actually, the big vision is, yes, to have it like medical certified. However, there are different approaches. It will depend, actually, what the next test will show. There are some companies, they already approached us to make a cooperation. And yeah, if we do it on our own, probably it would be easier to have it as a wellness product. So for everybody available, so to, to get like some revenue already in a very early stage. And then to with that revenue or income to probably do it as a medical product to do all the big hurdles for a medical product or a certified product. 
we are also lucky to test Artglove with our master thesis, like the last prototype, in a hospital. So we really had there the first contact to a, a medicine <laughs> house, so to say, so to a hospital. But it's that has to be also built up or figured out in the team which way is the best. There seems to be always like crossroads. How do you want to go next? What do you want to do next? Is Do you think that's something that will ever end? We have so many ideas also with Daniela to bring out other products, to improve the product with an app, with some additions. Yeah, we don't know if how much will come up, how much new innovations will, will bring this. I think that's a very interesting question because it can motivate you, but it can also be discouraging because you know when you start, but you don't know where it ends. And it's all the time applying to a new project or looking for a new opportunity or thinking what is coming next or what if this doesn't work then what do we do the idea is good we believe on it but executing this idea is the real challenge how do you keep going and how you keep going in the right direction and when does it end if it does at all right because as philip just mentioned there are so many more ideas building up all the time and all the time you get new feedback new input not only for the product itself but from different programs or clinics or companies interested so it be again overwhelming and i don't know how you do it philip to ground and let's say okay this is the next step now and focus on it and block everything else to be able to continue. <laughs> yeah, it's just like step by step. Yeah, as Danina said, we have so much insights, but this doesn't help too much if you don't sort everything and if you don't focus on the next steps. So just think little and yeah, do the next steps and not get overwhelmed by all the impressions, all the inputs you actually receive. I find it really great. That's a great way to view it. Yeah, of course. Like many people have asked us, okay, how will we produce it? Will we produce it cheaper in, in abroad and so on? But yeah, we try to... Actually, it works quite well. We we try to do it step by step and yeah, see how the next steps will go. Looking back, what was the one thing you learned about innovation from... Starting in Kamp-Limford until now, what was like the one lesson takeaway you have about innovation? For me, it would be that the solutions are close to us uh, more than we think. And I will elaborate a little bit there. It's like what inspired me to this project was my mom. And she was always there. And I just needed to look at her and ask her. And then, of course, a lot of work came out of that but it didn't need to be anything crazy or anything extravagant and sometimes the, the smaller and more simple things are the ones that can make a bigger impact yeah if you have gotten feedback that people really would need such a product and you have like proof of that then just keep going don't give up There are hard times, yes, but if you have the market, if you have the users, they are waiting for this, then it's worth the, the effort. And it basically is the biggest motivation to continue and to, yeah, to believe on your own idea and 
keep going. Yeah, perfect. Because you said if you want to add something. Yeah, of course. I would like to thank all to the professors of our master's study, Ability Engineering. Also big thank to Adriana, who was our coach during that time, who yeah, helped us and motivated us. And of course, to all the support we got from physiotherapists, from patients, from family and friends, and all the network. And yeah, we are continuing the story of art love we are always looking for supporters like patients or like doctors who yeah who support us who give like their knowledge their expertise and yeah that's what's what i wanted to say uh, and you just forgot to thank to the most important person <laughs> <laughs> mom. to my mom to inspire all these project and beautiful idea and of course thanks to you to having us today Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate any feedback and are always open to suggestions for improvement. You can reach us directly at podcast at hsrw.eu. In the show notes, you will find links and more information about today's topics and guests. My name is Stefan Hanf. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Tschüss.